0: You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth,
1: brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life
0: and a dream of the future.
1: Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence.
0: Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the creator
1: and the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists. Ingenious creators of beauty that you are,
0: that beauty will save the world
1: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to JP2 Radio for another episode of Letter to Artists. Brought to you from the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University, this show is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists, and led by Catholic artists from our community who desire to share with you their journey in creativity and their journey of faith through the development of their artistic talents. I am your host, Bailey Garland. Each week, I've been chatting with different artists as we explore different creative mediums. So today's topic is filmmaking, and we've talked about this before, but being um, a film school, a really heavy creative art school, obviously all of these topics are gonna come up again. So this episode is particularly unique because it brings us two students from JP Catholic, Mark Weston and Peter Gonzalez, both studying film with a directing production emphasis. However, both men dabble in many different areas of film, so from photography to cinematography to directing and even screenwriting. It's just, it's amazing how much um, they both can do. So I'm excited to hear all they have to share. But first, let me share with you our guiding excerpt from St. JP JP2's letter to artists. He says, even beyond its typically religious expressions, true art has a close affinity with the world of faith so that even in situations where culture and the church are far apart, art remains a kind of bridge to religious experience, insofar as it seeks the beautiful, fruit of an imagination which rises above the everyday. Art is, by its nature, a kind of appeal to the mystery. Even when they explore the darkest depths of the soul or the most unsettling aspects of evil, artists give voice, in a way, to the universal desire for redemption. So, now I know that quote is a little long, but keep that in mind today as we talk to both artists because um, I know some, some pretty powerful reflections are going to come out. So, without further ado, help me welcome our first guest, Mark Westum. Welcome, Mark.
2: Hello. Thank you. How are you doing? Me. I'm doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, considering
2: finals week. Uh, yeah. It's pretty busy, but.
1: Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to come talk with us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm Do excited. you mind um, leading us in a prayer?
2: Of course. Sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, thank you God for having brought us here today, guide us in our discussion, help us to um, have everything oriented towards you, help us to communicate things that will help uh, other students uh, along their journey to excellence in their craft of Whatever artistic discipline it might be, but also in their studies as a whole, we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Thank you, Mark. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. So um, I was <laughs> I'll start start at the beginning. <laughs> I was born in uh, born in Canada uh, up on the east coast. Nova Scotia. Um, When I was four, we moved down to the Cayman Islands. Um, My my dad's family has has roots there, um, there in Jamaica. So, yeah, we uh, we moved down to Cayman, and that's where I grew up. Um, I grew up uh, Catholic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I mean like. It's a very small community, so mm-hmm. kind of all the Catholics knew each other, um, and it's not, yeah, like, it's, it's small, so it's like, okay, it's a tiny island. It's like 25-ish miles long and like eight miles wide, <laughs> so it's like a very tiny place in the middle of the Caribbean um, where Christianity is the dominant religion, but mm-hmm. Catholicism takes up a very small portion of that oh wow um so it was it was interesting and it's like we have people from all over the world that live there and work there as like accountants and lawyers and whatever it's like a a big financial hub of the Caribbean so um just being able to experience loads of different cultures growing up was I think pretty unique to compared to like a lot of the people that come to JV Catholic <laughs> who have never left the country. Right. It's like, I grew up traveling for sports and it's like, I played rugby. So it's, it's just like a completely different world to what I think a lot of the people here are used to. And so it, it gives me a unique perspective on life. Yeah. Um And just like, Having that traveling under my belt is, I think, super beneficial to, and probably one of the reasons why I create the type of art that I do. Um, a lot of it is in service to um, showcasing natural beauty. I've I've come to realize. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. No, that's that's
1: perfect. So going from. Canada came in like that's a huge jump and then from Cayman to California how did that happen like you getting all the way out here
2: well (laughs) there's this little thing called COVID um yeah I mean so I again I'll start at the beginning (laughs) um I grew up loving photography yeah um I got a got my first camera when I was like thirteen, and I would I would take photos of nature, like of animals, my dog, um, and certain like candid photos of people. Um, so that's that's where I kind of started. Um, I had a friend who is into filmmaking, and he got me into filmmaking, um, and that's that's kind of like where the filmmaking aspect came from. Is mm-hmm. one of my best friends growing up. Um, and so I like I could, I could go into the details of like the film that I've done in k Man, but I won't, because <laughs> it's kind of it's like far in, in between and like a long story. but um <laughs> yeah, so like immediately before COVID, I was working as a as a portrait photographer, a family photographer. Um, full-time and so COVID hit I lost my job (laughs) like many other people yeah and at that point I had decided that I I would be pursuing film Mm. and so I started looking into universities um, in North America so America and Canada and um, stumbled onto JB Catholic via the Newman Society. <laughs> Check it out, folks. That's Trusty uh,
1: Newman Guide. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a lovely place. Um and yeah, it was the one film school on the list. So I applied and here I am about to graduate.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So it was really kind of like those connections, yeah, in in Cayman, you said with your best friend that got you into filmmaking and how um I guess okay, so you've mentioned photography. And now in filmmaking, I know that you do quite a bit. So I know you're a cinematographer, a uh, highly loved DP, as they call them, um, and a screenwriter, which I know we'll definitely talk about a little bit later. Um, and then I know you also are a big social media guy. You do a lot of like your reels and things like that. Um, and I want to talk about it all. So I guess I want to start, though, with your favorite aspect of filmmaking. Where where would you like to start?
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. Like... Ideally I would I would like my 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 uh, my goal <laughs> is is directing okay. is like screenwriting and directing. Okay. Um I've done a lot of other things yeah. since I've come here. Mm-hmm. And I've I've grown to really love cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's every everything I do has everything I've done has been in service of this end that I have in sight. Um so whether I'm gaffing um or gripping in the light department, if I'm uh, a PA or if I'm assistant camera or a cinematographer, it's all in service to the end that I, I have, which is uh, writing and directing mm-hmm. films on an independent level. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. So, I guess then we'll start there if you want to be like your your main thing is, you know, directing and screenwriting, which I know you've done both. So, do you typically direct like the scripts that you write?
2: I do. Yeah. Um a lot of them are are on the shorter shorter side of short films, 2-3 mm-hmm. minutes, but um yeah, I mean, it's Yeah, I mean, if if I were if I were solely a screenwriter, I would be shipping out these scripts to other mm-hmm. people to direct. Um, but as it has it, like as as it is, is like the the, the courses that we have here um, provide us a means to um, translate those those stories to the screen ourselves. And so, and like it it gives the best practice. So it's um, it's a, it, the best way to learn how to direct is to do it. So it's like the quickest avenue to that end that we're all trying to achieve.
1: So what is that process like to direct your own script? (laughs) It's, um,
2: who? Even just
1: like the step-by-step. So you would like you write and then revise. And then when do you finally decide you're going to direct it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I said, most, most of it is through class, classwork. Mm -hmm. So like there,
1: you kind of are forced to, yeah, there's a schedule (laughs) that
2: you have to stick to. Yeah. Um, so um, in, an, in an ideal world, you'd you'd have a lot of time for rewriting the script to get it to a place that is compelling and and tells a, a good story and is exciting. Um, it's not always possible for for classwork projects. Um, but yeah, so you would you'd rewrite it get it to the the best place it it can get to in the time that you have and then you're immediately into pre-production. So breaking down the script, um, sorting out all the different elements that need to come, come to life on the screen. So production design and makeup and set decorations and wardrobe, um, And thinking ahead to the post-production aspect, okay, how is this all going to fit together? And so, like, as a director specifically, you are working with the actors. So it's bringing the script to the actor and um, talking through character motivations and kind of the mental state of the character in the particular scene that you're talking about. And so you have to... work together with the actor to figure out how to bring about the the emotion and the the drive of of the character. And so it's yeah, I mean like in every aspect it is collaborative. Um like uh, the director is like the captain of the ship essentially. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their role to bring the ship into port. Mm. But um without the director like there's, there's no guidance. He's like, he's behind the steering wheel <laughs> so or the helm, I guess it would be called. Um, so it's, yeah, he's, he's, he's the, he's the captain. He is a visionary. He holds the project in its entirety in his mind. He knows where it's going to go. Um, so he's able to guide all the different departments mm-hmm. in their work to help bring about that, that final product.
1: Do you find because that like you've written the script and it's like living out of your imagination that when you're directing, is it harder for you to like detach from the different departments because you have such a strong vision of like what you were thinking of when you, you know, when you imagined the character, like the the girl, the guy and all those things. So when like castings being done and all that stuff, is it, yeah, is it harder for you to detach or is it a little easier because you already have that vision?
2: It's, I think it's, it's maybe Oh, I think it's easier um because you know the story so well and mm. as you're writing it yeah. well as for me it's it might be different from like other people but because I I edit as well so or I Another can Another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a one man bad guy. <laughs> um I can edit as well so I know like the steps that are going to have to be taken in post production Yeah, so I'm able to even edit as we're filming, mm-hmm. um, which is super useful. Yeah, super useful. So it it's easier in that sense for me to um to be able to guide everyone. Um, it can be difficult for me working with other people if maybe I have more experience than them mm. in like just finding the balance of like guidance and letting them do their own thing. Oh yeah, um,
1: especially in this like school setting right now. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because like it's, it's so fast paced here. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pump out projects. Yeah, like crazy. <laughs> not it's not it's not realistic. <laughs> but um, we do it. Some of them are great, right. and some of them are. <laughs> leave to be desired <laughs> but um we, we do what we can
1: yeah that's no that's super cool and and i think i love hearing yeah people who who do screenwrite and and direct their own projects just that little like how the thought process goes because i think especially for me i feel like i would get more attached um but i don't do that so <laughs> it doesn't matter but speaking of now screenwriting i do I want to talk a little bit about this because this is super cool. Mark um, actually co-wrote the next uh, JP Catholic feature film that's being produced here. So we we did our first one, um O'Brawling oh, Love, which we've mentioned on the show before. That's going to be, I don't do I know. do you know, do we have a release date for that yet? You probably would know more than I.
2: I am not at liberty to say.
1: Okay. So come back because for season I two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: they've, they've said spring. Yes. So hopefully spring, but oh. potentially summer. Potentially later than that.
1: Okay, so stay tuned and on your toes for the release date of Overwhelming Love. But right, what we're going to talk about right now is No Reception, which is oh boy. Mark's film. So can you talk a little bit about the process of writing? Was that your first feature that you ever wrote too?
2: That was, oh, yes. Tell us about it. Oh, man. It was <laughs> a wild ride. So, ooh, okay. I'll start at the beginning.
1: Oh, again? Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> We have all day, right? Yeah, we um, do. <laughs> so, yeah, um, a group of us got together, and we wanted to brainstorm short film ideas that we could potentially make outside of class classwork. And this was, I think, it was first quarter. So first quarter, like
1: of your all time being here? Or? Yeah. Okay.
2: Like first quarter, twenty twenty <laughs> okay. fall. Um. So, yeah, uh, and yeah, we got together, we were brainstorming, and uh, I came up with an idea of um, a city kid getting lost in the woods. It's, It's flipping a character upside down, taking him out of his world, throwing him into a new world, which was straight out of like one of the classes that <laughs> we had just or that we were taking at the time it's like okay a story is like taking a character out of his world so that's very much the 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 metric that i built the the idea for the for no reception out of um so yeah nothing happened with that for a few quarters and then i uh resurrected it in uh Fundamentals of Story Development class with with Professor Riley, um, where I developed a feature film, and took that took the work from that class and just started to uh, further develop it after the class. Um, I started writing it, and then the feature film program started, and so I submitted it to the first year, um, and brought Natalia on to co-write it with me and we wrote over the course of the year um we didn't win the 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 feature film obviously <laughs> the first year <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh brawling love <laughs> um one it's uh but we kept kept writing um and submitted it again this past year um and yeah now they're making it, so that's pretty cool.
1: That's pre- <laughs> that's pretty cool. So now, like as a screenwriter, what do you do? It's just out of your hands.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I sold the sold the rights to the school, so they own they own the story and they can do whatever they want with it. And I knew that going in. Um, so yeah, I mean,
1: that's yeah. super exciting. <laughs> so what is like? Okay, obviously it's like a city boy. It gets lost in the woods or whatever. What's like the I don't know, the plot what's it called? The The log. Log Line. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I'll give you the log line. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Cody, our protagonist, um, on his way to his father's deathbed in <gasps> a cabin in the woods. Oh no. Gets lost in the oh, woods no. and winds up in the middle of a hermit warfare.
1: A hermit warfare?
2: Hermit warfare.
1: Tell us about the hermit warfare. Ooh. No spoilers though. Okay. <laughs>
2: So, oh, no spoilers
1: <laughs> okay. it's okay. It's your story. you can spoil it if you want um,
2: but. yeah, I mean, and y- y'all you can like email Caitlin and she'll give you a script to read <laughs> if you want, um because I'm not gonna do it justice. they've re- rewritten it, oh um, yeah, it might be so changed a little it's bit. it's mm-hmm. it's different from like what i what I had initially, but mm-hmm. um the idea is the same, yeah, I mean, the hermits are warring over this like mountain um cody just gets caught in the middle of it and so he has to help one of them to drive the other one away while also trying to get to his father's cabin because (laughs) something that i left out in the log line was um his his dad said like if you don't come to my if you don't come to me like you're not going to get your inheritance Mm. so yeah he has that's his motivation. Mm-hmm. Is like okay. He uh, another thing is like it's in a strange <laughs> relationship. Uh, I'm the worst. <laughs> but um, yeah. So <laughs> Cody and his dad aren't aren't like seeing eye tie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So a strange there... relationship. So it's like he has he he's in it for the money, mm-hmm. but like the ideas at the end he learns that it's there's more to life than money mm. it's like family is is crucial
1: yeah is it, and it's like the healing of like the father son relationship
2: yeah does yeah. that
1: kind of like manifest through the hermit as well like does he develop kind of a paternal relationship with him or no i guess i'll have to watch but <laughs>
2: um <laughs> in 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 the original script yes okay in the original script yes but
1: perhaps not in the final perhaps script. not in the final script okay interesting oh my gosh well that's so cool um i know definitely i'm sure you'll hear more about it on the podcast as we um, move into season two because we are ending this is the second to last episode of season one so just beyond I'd say it is sad but well not really though because season two is going to be awesome too so (laughs) but um okay yeah moving on that's so awesome thank you so much for for sharing that because I know that that was like a lot of a lot of hard work for you guys so um I'm super like pumped for you guys to be able to to you know see your story come to life um but in addition you know to being picked for the feature film you also just won best cinematographer at our film festival this winter (sighs) Ooh. So <laughs> just, you know, Mark Weston, pretty talented guy. So how does um can you speak a little bit to cinematography and how it aids to film?
2: Ooh, yeah. I mean, cinematography is is huge. It's um I think they say it's like 50% of the film. Wow. So yeah, 50%, which is sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is correct. <laughs> I'm sorry, Professor Simon, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me, Father. <laughs> Um, but we have we have a joke where, like, (laughs) Professor Simon has office hours, and so he always has a line, and so everyone says it's like the line for confession, (laughs) to confess our our film sins. But um,
1: I love that too. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Professor Simon.
2: Um, (laughs) but yeah, cinematography is huge. It's yeah, anyway, cinematography. (laughs) It's the visual aspect of 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 filmmaking. Um. And so it's like the cinematographer is in charge of, of the visuals. Um, the director is in charge of like coordinating the entirety of the production to achieve a certain goal. Um, cinematography is in charge of the visuals, which is the camera and the lighting. Um, and so he is the department head for the camera and lighting departments. Um, so he bosses the gaffer around and he bosses <laughs> the other, the, the camera assistants around and everything. Um, that sounds harsh, but it's, uh, I mean, you could use different terms if you wanted. Um, so like I was a cinematographer um, on Alan Hewitt's directing two final, which is You're Scaring Me, Jared, which is the one that I won the <laughs> award for, um, which is why bring it up um so yeah I mean I Alan Alan is an awesome director so if you have the chance to work with him do it because you're not gonna regret it and Aww. it's probably gonna aid your your uh your sh- your shot reel um but yeah just being able to like be creative in your cinematography um Obviously, it's like all under the domain of the director's vision, um, but you do have liberties that you can take in 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 cinematography to bring about like your style or your gaffer's style. Um, to and it's like it's all in service to the story. So mm-hmm. kind of like whatever helps the story um, get better, um, or not not necessarily get better, but what helps show the story in the in the best way is is kind of like what you're supposed to do um so yeah
1: so yeah that I think it's so cool because um I feel like we talk a lot about um yeah kind of like the I guess I don't necessarily want to say emotional but that's like the word that I can think of right now um aspects of how it aids to like the mood and the tone and like you like you're saying serving the story to be able to actually like visually tell it I do want to get a little technical because I don't think I've ever talked about like this with anyone. Maybe, maybe in the episode with, with Charlie Blum, which was a cinematography episode, but do you have like favorite equipment that you use? Like, I know there's like a million different cameras. Do you have like one that you're like, this, this is the golden child. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> um, <laughs> I have a favorite camera. It is the Hasselblad. <laughs> I've never used one. It's a photography camera, but i <gasps> It is my favorite camera in theory,
1: wow, in theory, <laughs> not in practice yet yeah. but um yeah, i mean how it, how can that change the, like the cinematography by the equipment that you use um Does i mean,
2: it? I mean, different equipment serves the story in different ways, mm-hmm. so it's it's corny, but it's like really it's it really is like like once you get to a certain level, it's what what serves the story mm-hmm. um and so, the sh- the shot listing that you do with the director is in service to the story. Um, the movement, any camera movement that you have, is in service to the story. The lighting that you have is in service to the story. So, like, there are different different ways of uh, bringing about movement. You can use a dolly, or the steadicam, or the easy rig. On uh, Hug Your Bros' senior project that. I just shot for Elijah Richardson, uh, which was super fun. Um, we used all of those tools. Um, and it, they were all for very specific reasons to uh, bring to life the internal turmoil mm. that our protagonist was um, experiencing. Yeah. Not only our protagonist, but our, our, co-star mm. our co our co-lead. Ooh, yeah. So it's like we used uh the Easy Rig to show like kind of the the breaking down of this character mm-hmm. psychologically. Yeah. Um because it has more of a handheld feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's not as like controlled and 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 whatnot. And we use the steady cam for his best friend who is Mm. experiencing uh, turmoil turmoil to a a lesser extent, but still there's that element of anxiety. Um, And then, yeah, like, the dolly would give a more controlled feel. And, like, the dolly can be used for, like, other things. So, like, horror can be used as, like, a suspense builder as you're, like leading up to the climactic moment of any mm-hmm. particular scene but yeah um yeah I mean I I don't really I don't really have I'm not I haven't used enough gear That's where fair. I can mm-hmm. s- or like I haven't used enough different cameras where I where I can say like I have a favorite yeah or not um
1: No, but I think that was still really cool to be able to say like, oh, this, like this you would use maybe for this situation or like this piece of equipment you'd use for that. So.
2: Yeah. And like on Hugger Rose, we used the uh, Blackmagic 6K Pro Mm -hmm. because it's better in low light than the Ursa 12K Um, and 95% of the film was shot at night. Mm. So we needed those low light capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas on uh, You're Scaring Me, Jared, we used the twelve K. Mm-hmm. It's a very light and uplifting yeah. film for the most part. Oh, so wow. mm-hmm. um we are able to uh, to use that instead.
1: Yeah. Um
2: and then like the six K has other like accidents which make it better or worse. Yeah. It's much lighter. So mm-hmm. um we had a lot of easy rig and steady ham, which yeah. is all is all like the 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 camera operator is like holding the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: it, it made that much easier mm-hmm. than it would have been had we used the 12K because it's uh it's a chunky <laughs> it's a chunky boy. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well that was super cool because I don't think I've ever really talked with anyone about which is funny because I yeah, I did a whole episode on cinematography, but I'll have to keep that question in mind. So um we're kind of almost running out of time, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about your social media work before we we flip the the conversation, um, and especially because I know you do a lot of reels, but also like clearly you've got a lot of like directing work in narrative films done. So how is that like similar or different when you're making stuff for like the tiny social media world and then like dragging it out to the narrative film part?
2: Yeah, so i th- I think it's 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 much it's much more similar than I think a lot of people would. Like oh, wow. to think. Mm-hmm. Um because like it follows a very basic story structure with a hook. Mm-hmm. You, you hook the audience, mm. you keep them engaged, um, you have a payoff at the end. And so it's like it's kind of like the same hero goal obstacle mm. um outline that we follow in narrative filmmaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And so like and I've done a bit of experimenting with it um in youtube reels uh i've posted some very bland things (laughs) which which find no audience and then like you put a little hook at the start and your audience just explodes and you get Mm. like thousands of views yeah um so it's it's very interesting and like i don't think a lot of people are aware of it yeah um especially a lot of like quote unquote like content creators Mm. on on youtube and instagram because yeah they don't have the training in narrative filmmaking so like Mm. i'm sure they know subconsciously what they're doing they just can't put it into words necessarily wow yeah And so like that's something that like mr beast uses mm. is the oh, yes. the hero goal obstacle mm-hmm. he hooks them with some ridiculous thing that he's gonna do mm-hmm. and then he keeps him engaged by never uh, veering off of the 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 story and so and then like obviously the the climax is like he gives away a million dollars so it's <laughs> like super interesting the whole yeah.
1: time oh wow okay so um where can people, you know, find your work now that you've shared with us all of your knowledge and your the process behind it?
2: Well, um I have a website. It's called <laughs> mpjweston.com and all my social media is on there. Um my email is on there if you want to reach out to me. Um yeah, my my Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube are all linked on there so yeah. MP, say it again. M As in Mark, P, (laughs) Peter, J. James W S T I N W-S-T-I-N.com.
1: Perfect. So we'll definitely link that um, in the description so you'll be able to um, find him easily on the internet. Um, but right now I'm going to do a quick reset. If you're just joining us, welcome. You are tuning into Letter to Artists. My name is Bailey Garland. I'm your host for the show. And today we are talking with a super cool guy from the Cayman Islands, Mark Weston. He is a film student here at JP Catholic who dabbles and succeeds in many different um, aspects of film. So earlier we talked about cinematography, screenwriting, directing, and even just a little bit of social media there at the end. And so now I want to pivot our conversation to talk about the letter to artists excerpt. So I'm just gonna remind everyone now what that is in case you're just tuning in. So JP 2 says in that encyclical, even beyond its typically religious expressions, true art has a close affinity with the world of faith so that even in situations where culture and the church are far apart, Art remains a kind of bridge to religious experience. Insofar as it seeks the beautiful, fruit of an imagination which rises above the everyday, art is, by its nature, a kind of appeal to the mystery. Even when they explore the darkest depths of the soul or the most unsettling aspects of evil, artists give voice, in a way, to the universal desire for redemption. I really like this snippet. Um, I think it's kind of funny how how the Holy Spirit chooses these each show. I just kind of like scroll through and then my eyes tend to land on something that works. Um, but Mark, I just want to invite you to um, reflect on anything that, that struck you when you first read it.
2: I love this quote. I- I love it so much because it's something that I've been thinking about for, for a while. Oh, wow. And like, I've had conversations with the Williams brothers and Eliezer and oh, and, yes. and other people. So it's <laughs> all like. All of
1: whom have been on the show, actually, Williams brothers both and Eliezer.
2: <laughs> so it's, it's like, yeah, I love that we have this. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting. It's such an interesting thought. Like, first of all, like what, what is art and art is like. I mean, it says like art is a a confession of truth. Um, And so it's like, okay, well, there's just so many things that you can talk about there. Um, But it's like, okay, what is truth? God is truth. Mm. And so art is confessing God. Okay. So art is something that brings people to God. So art is contemplation of the divine. So if something created um, does not do that, is it art? And that's kind of the question that I've been struggling with mm. um, and trying to like figure out. I know like Aquinas <laughs> tried <laughs> to like figure out what art is and he couldn't. So it's like maybe I'm shooting in the dark with my eyes closed, but um, <laughs> we're going to give it a well, shot. You
1: might as well try. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: it's but it's such an interesting thing. It's like, right. St- the things that we create are representations of what is in nature Mm -hmm. because, like, we don't know any different. Um, And, like, the things that we create are just um, combinations of other things that we have previously seen. Um, So, and, yeah, like, we know from the catechism that nature confesses God mm-hmm. and so if we bear with me <laughs> <laughs> <They're doing great. laughs> um, if we if, if we don't like if we don't confess God mm-hmm. then I don't think we can say that we are creating art mm. um, and so like I guess the next question would be okay well how do you know if you are or you aren't yeah and maybe you would point to like some some dark art um but then I would point you to Flannery O'Connor mm-hmm. and I'd be like mm-hmm. she's amazing <sighs> and like her stuff is so jam-packed yeah with with like god yeah um that it's just like okay so I guess it would be like things done carelessly
0: mm-hmm.
2: without thought that don't lead or don't confess God wouldn't be art question mark.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I think this is really cool because I think something that we do a lot is we because obviously, right. Like the, the, the Bible isn't like PG 13, right. There's a lot of dark things that are going on in there. And, um, and the like, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to sound like blasphemous or something, but like the Lord, I don't think is like ashamed of us as sinners, right? Otherwise he wouldn't have sent Jesus down like to save us from our sin. Cause he, he loves us and he's madly in love with us. And, um, in these stories that we're portraying, it's like, what are we, what are we, I think sometimes it's not where we start though. It's where we end like hug your bros. Like that was not a happy go lucky story by any means, but it was, a, it was a tale full of like hope and like a warning, a cautionary tale, things like that, that are meant to, you know, again, confess God. I love that because I think even though like the word confession like that is like, you don't, you know, you don't confess that you love cookies, you know, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not so <some> scandalous. <laughs> and,
2: and I mean, just like look at the history of humanity. Right. Just in itself. That's like the most like the the history of salvation is the most beautiful story. Mm-hmm. But it it sprouted from like the worst offense. Right. Which was betraying God initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like man was made perfect. Yeah. Man betrayed God. Mm-hmm. Man became imperfect. But through God's incarnation and salvation, man can now reach an even higher height than mm-hmm. he had before he had sinned. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm. through man's sin, yeah, man or th- yeah, through through man's sin, God brought about a higher end for yeah.
1: man, and I think that's like what you can do. Like movies show that I feel like like they always start in one place. Like we're talking about the hero like goal obstacle thing. It's like they start in one place. There's the fall, but then there's like a greater good that's achieved at the end, hopefully. Or or it's a warning. You know, it's like a cautionary tale, and they're even lower than than what they did. Um, so I think that's really cool, and I and I love that you found that. And I know, I I think I just I'm really like drawn to right now. I think darker stories and how we can find hope or like, you know, St. John of the cross talks about the dark night of the soul. And, um, I just think it's really important to like be in the human experience. Right. I, I still go back to this Marie Godosic. She was on our very first episode and she said it. And I, I still don't know. It was, it was the episode I didn't release though. Cause I, I interviewed her again. And she said, saints, um, are human, saints are humans who have embraced their humanity to the fullest. And it's like knowing our, our littleness have relied so much on God that they were like, you know, like, uplifted and i'm just i love that and i think our our movies could really show that and sometimes as you were saying like you maybe drop the ball on (laughs) we're on a certain timeline but um yeah i guess how do you work god into your stories or to like bridge that gap between the culture and the church i love that he says that it you know is a bridge between culture and the church
2: yeah i mean um i I mean i i think Something that I've noticed in the in the stories that I've written are like trying to tackle certain cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fa- fatherhood is is a mm-hmm. very prevalent in in my work. Um, a lot of stories with the father son relationship, um, because today's culture is very much opposed to like, truly masculine men Mm. and, like, good fathers um, for who knows what reasons. Um, So something that I try to do is is show, like, the importance of good men and also, like, what happens when you don't have good men leading by example. Mm -hmm. Like, Cody becomes... Uh, like a, a just not very pleasant version, yeah and <laughs> uh no reception so it's it's uh yeah and and like a story that I'm working on that I'll be filming next quarter um takes on takes on that that same kind of uh structure of like an absent father and and kind of like what that what that entails and Mm. but it takes on a different route than no reception does where it it focuses on the father as opposed to the son um and kind of like the change of heart that the father experiences coming to terms with like himself not being there for his kid yeah and so it's yeah I mean that's that's how I approach um bringing bringing um christianity into my work Mm -hmm. and like this quarter i've spent a lot of time with flannery o'connor and seeing how she was able to do that has really inspired me um and so like i hope to take some of some of that and incorporate that into my into my future work yeah um
1: yeah oh mark that's beautiful i think it's like yeah, for whatever reason, I just I love that you're you're kind of tackling that issue in particular because I think there is a a real lack of um, conversation I think about fatherhood and and then true masculinity and you know today <laughs> I almost made a jerk earlier but um, I did not today is um, National Women's Day I think mm-hmm. the day where we're playing this um, but on the other end like if we if we you know are are kind of really trying I think as a society to refigure out our identity as as men and women and I think we're you know trying to rewrite that a little bit when instead of rewriting that we have to like uh, dive deeper into ourselves and and look at the truth that's written on our hearts and so I think it's really beautiful that as you've you know talked about this exploration of truth and art and confession um kind of have that's been like playing itself out in your works through those father and son relationships so Kudos to you. I, I'll be praying for you as you, as you continue to do that. But is there a particular, you know, like secular movie that, that reveals God to you kind of in that, in that bridging the gap way?
2: Oh yes. <laughs> a quiet place. Oh wow. People, if you haven't seen a quiet place, go watch it. It's so good. Mm. It's so good. And like, it focuses on the, the, the leadership of like a true father mm. and like, the importance of having that role model wow. in 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 your life, and like the self-sacrificial love that that type of person can can show, and so it's just like such a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I guess technically a horror question mark. I don't know. It's like <laughs> a, definitely a thriller. Yeah. I don't know if it qualifies as horror, but um, it's such a good film.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So we'll have to check out the, a quiet place. And, and that's, I'm guessing a movie that's like inspired you quite a bit in your writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's super cool. Um, okay. I guess we're, we're ending our, our time here. One last question. How has this called like the art of film deepened your relationship with God?
2: Ooh, um, I don't know. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that I'll find out down the road. Um, I know like just being here at JP Catholic has, has deepened that relationship. Um, and like seeing, seeing how different people here, um, uh, nurture their, their spirituality, um, has, has been inspiring to me. Um, and has allowed me uh, the latitude to reflect on myself and and try to figure out like okay this is where I'm at <laughs> like where can I go mm-hmm. um, and so yeah I don't know I I don't I don't think I can answer that
1: yeah I feel like that's like I mean that's really powerful in itself is that like even just being here like following that like desire that he placed in your heart to be a filmmaker has led you to a place that that has at least like nurtured your faith and even if it wasn't like through the and even what you're saying about like the father son relationship I feel like there's so much there that you can spiritually reflect on and being like oh um I know not to like break up the trinity obviously that would <laughs> not be <laughs> right ordered but like in the sense of focusing on like the the personage of the trinity and being like oh god the father like how is my relationship to god the father god the son and god the holy spirit um and I think that there is like a lot there for you through that, that father-son relationship. So thank you so much, Mark, for being here and for for sharing all um, that you did and especially for taking the time because I know, I know it is finals week and it's kind of crazy as we're preparing students to go to Europe. We're preparing for people to film a bunch of senior projects. There's a lot going on. So really thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um people, this has been a great uh first half of the episode and if you can find uh, Mark's stuff on his website which I will link um into the comments below. Um so if you enjoyed this half of the episode, stay tuned for a second half. We'll be chatting with Peter Gonzalez, who just won best director at the JP Catholic Winter Film Festival for his short One Phone Call. So we'll be talking about his commentary about his film which dealt with some heavy content um and you won't want to miss it. So stay tuned. And we are back in the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University. I am your host, Bailey Garland. Welcome back to Letter to Artists. Earlier in our show, we were joined in the studio by Mark Weston, a cinematographer, a photographer, a director, a screenwriter. He even doubles in producing. Um, And it was an awesome conversation. We heard a lot of cool things talking about the equipment that might aid to the story of a... um, of a film. We talked about his experience, um, writing the, the next feature film for JP Catholic's feature film program. We just heard a lot of cool things. So you'll definitely want to go back and check that out. Now we are going to be chatting with Peter Gonzalez and I really don't even want to give an intro because he is equally as awesome. And <laughs> so I kind of want him to just dive right in. Welcome Peter.
0: Thank you for having me Bailey.
1: I'm so happy that you could finally be here. Um, do you mind just leading us in a quick prayer?
0: Of course. Son of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask you please to bless this conversation. Help us to explore the world of filmmaking and faith together. And we'll say a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of the grace. grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now, now and at the hour of our, our death. death. Amen. In the Father and the Amen. Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: Oh, that's always my favorite question because I was like, (laughs) "What do you say at that point?" I'm, you know, I am 29 years old. I am a officially a senior now at J.P. Cat, John Paul the Great Catholic University. I love film. I grew up on the Central Coast, Mm. Santa Maria, California. Very much not a film place. Very much agriculture town. So, oh, really? Very different than the type of career that I'm looking to get into for sure.
1: Oh, that's funny. So how did you get interested in film?
0: I think for me, film was something that my mom always had us watching movies and watching TV. Like she was very much a pro TV parent in the sense that we were exposed, but it was movies and TV from Earlier it was like the 19, at least like 1900s all the way up through 50s, 60s. Like we would watch all sorts of movies. So I really grew invested into these films that were larger than life. A lot of the old school musicals, the Alfred Hitchcock movies like Black and White and in color, And it was just this world where you would just go for either it was whether well, it was 30 minutes, an hour or two hours, and you would just get lost in this world, seeing these characters and just finding connection through their stories and almost seeing sometimes their problems because they were larger made yours feel smaller as well. And I loved that about film. I love that this type of storytelling was able to do that. And so I was like, I want to do that one day. And I kind of went into journalism first. Because, and so my first degree is actually from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo because I wanted to do journalism. I thought I wanted to tell stories in that way, interviewing people, talking with people. But I found that the traditional journalism narrative, I guess, is more news, like local news or you go sports or there's not really room for the creativity that I was longing for. So I thought. Think I think that room re- sort of reminded me that I wasn't in the right place for storytelling, but I still wanted to do storytelling.
1: Oh, wow, that's so cool. And Peter, I didn't I never even knew that you went into journalism. That is so awesome. I think that's like wh- like what a powerful like moment of like discernment too to be like, "Oh, I got all this knowledge, but then there's totally this storytelling aspect there, but it's not like what you're drawn to." And so that's really cool. So, how then kind of did you decipher then between like that degree and now coming to film school that you were interested in in directing and you know I know you're a producer you're a screenwriter you're like you wear multiple hats did you do anything in the time between that degree and this one that made you kind of discover that?
0: So I think right after I got out of um, I got my degree at Cal Poly I went to work for um, the, the, the mayor's office in our in our hometown and I was helping them with public service announcements. And towards the tail end of that time, I got to work with the police department on sort of like a documentary type film to help them highlight what their program was doing and where they sort of needed resources still. So I got to like really be creative with that. I got to go on ride alongs with three different officers. Oh, cool. I got the camera to myself and I was allowed to film whatever you need to film within like, you know, the parameters, edit it as you see fit. And we created this sort of four-part series for the city, and it just gave an insight into what police officers do. And it specifically also helped with, like, the homeless outreach and different things they were doing, but seeing that I could be creative with something and also sort of have the ability to produce it, to sort of direct what I wanted, and I could came up with the questions, too, to kind of follow the narrative, that was really cool to see that, like, oh, I can actually do something like this. And so when the pandemic happened and I my job sort of ended because of that I was trying to figure out what to do next and a lot of what I was doing was what most people were doing watching tv and I was also doing a lot of writing I've always been a writer I've always wrote stories on my laptops and notebooks like if my, my childhood bedroom was like full of those things <laughs> so there was always ideas happening yeah and then my sister was actually going to go to school here first and I I was in the middle of trying to figure out what am I going to do next do I apply for another job or do what do I do and I applied on a complete whim and I was just like, you know, if it's God's will, it's God's will. This is where I'll go. And it was God's will because wow. here I
1: am. Oh my gosh. And praise be to God because <laughs> I know you've been such a gift to our campus and, and, you know, a good friend and things like that. And so, um, yeah, we doing all these things, directing, producing, screenwriting and ideas, man. What What is kind of your favorite aspect of filmmaking? And that's where I want to start now.
0: My favorite. So I think what for me is that I love To write a story. I love to see it go through the multiple drafts. Yeah. I've learned to be okay with that, too. I've learned (laughs) that the first idea is not the gospel idea. It's not going to be the (laughs) end all. So I've learned to accept that. But also, I just love to see something that you write and then are able to collaborate with your cinematographer and with your actors and the whole team in general and just to see it brought to life. And I had a shoot a couple weeks ago and just to see words that I'd written performed by these very talented actors. Was so cool just because it's like it elevates the material when it's the right connection between actor and with words on the page. And just, I love that. I love being able to work with people. And I really do see filmmaking as a collaborative team effort. Like, I truly, I know it sounds so cliche to say that, but like for me, that's truly why I do it. Like, I love working with people. And at least for me, when I'm on set, I always love to hear ideas. So I'm never like, it's my way or the highway. Like, Mm, it's very mm -hmm. much, this is what it is. Even if we're changing lines, like we did that too This when we shot a couple weeks ago. Just workshopping the line to make it feel right for the actor and the character and what they were bringing to it. Because everyone is bringing their own skill set to something. So I think a lot of what I love is that as a director, you kind of have to navigate these things. And a lot of it is putting... The, your ego aside, too, because it's like you also are aware this is I made this, but it's a team effort that we have to make together,
1: yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Um, and i I kind of love I was asking Mark earlier in in our last interview, kind of he, he in the same way he does you know, he writes the script and then directing it and having that. um I was asking is that easier? Like, do you get more emotionally attached to your script? But now it sounds like you, you don't like, it's easier for you to like, let go and be like, no, I want to hear what everyone else has to say. But do you ever find yourself being like, well, I imagined it this way.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't think I've found that place where it's not how I've imagined either, because I feel like I've developed such good relationships with the people that I work with. And I tend to work with a lot of the same people.
1: Oh, nice. And so, yeah.
0: um, having sort of that shorthand where they understand your vision and, mm-hmm. I also feel like when I try when I write my screenplays, I try to write it as clear as I can in a sense, so that there it it makes sense. And I do find that a lot a lot of those collaborations are because I don't have to be involved in everything. I can trust other people, like mm-hmm. whether it's production design. I know I can trust that it's going to look as close to the script as possible, but also better. Yeah, like, because everyone else is also reading it. So because ultimately when i someone watches my films i want them to connect with it for however they connect yeah. whether it's a side character the main character i want there to be something that's relatable to them so when you do have this whole perspective it just elevates the material i feel like
1: oh that's super cool and i haven't i guess i hadn't really thought of that either like yeah your imagination i think that's so beautiful you said like oh you have to put your ego aside and you're right. Like your imagination isn't like the top, <laughs> the top, the top imagination. So even though you came up with the story that the fact that like it could live out of your brain better than it did inside. Whereas I think a lot of people, I, I think myself included, like sometimes it lives outside of our brain and then I'm like, well, it didn't reach my expectation, but it's like, but truth would be the reality. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, that's a really good point. So it's like, that's, that's super powerful. I feel like I'll have to like take that to s- some thought, you know? Um, so I know you do, you know, you, you're screenwriting, you're directing and you're producing how, um, how do those, like those roles all overlap on a film set? And then how do they, how have you like kind of developed each one separately in your own career path?
0: Totally. Um, I feel like with the producing aspect, it's really involved with like gathering the team together. So on my first project, I did not produce it. I really, um, there were some names that I wanted, (coughs) excuse me, um, but as far as producing now, I feel like I've been uh, an associate producer, and I'm going to get some water.
1: Oh, yes, please do. No, no worries. I know it's also a final season for everybody, and there's a bad cold running around JP Catholic, so I know everyone's getting knocked down.
0: Okay, that's better. So basically... Um, <coughs> I'm falling apart. It's oh fine. No. It's fine. Okay. So, associate producing is kind of nice because you sort of are just there to help the producers do what they need to do. So, I did that for a senior project. It was research, it was things like that that the producers needed. Right now, I'm also helping to produce one of the senior projects, but more on the creative side. So, I'm there for a sounding board, so to speak. I'm helping with the creative creative aspects of it, like the brainstorming the and the brainstorming. Things like that? Oh, and I'm also helping with social media on that project. So, oh, cool. it's really cool to work with a director like that. I think, my God, my voice is just disappearing. Oh, no! I think um, what I have noticed is on this last project I did, I did co-produce it. So having that responsibility to sort of like making sure that people have rides, things like that is is important because it is it's all part of the working process. Right. Whereas as a director, you have a singular kind of focus where you work with the cinematographer and you sort of work with everyone else, the department heads, but you also have to work with the actors. And as a writer, I feel like that's the one that kind of takes a back seat at that point because you've written the script and now it's in the hands of you as the director and you as the producer. So the producer definitely has to look at, is this feasible to create? And right now on my senior project, I'm really lucky to have, I have three producers working on it that each bring a different skill set to it. And what I love too, and I learned this on my first project, you have to be willing to let people be willing to and also remember that people have these jobs. So a lot of it was me learning that I don't have to be able to do everything. Like there's right. people that can do it. And delegating. Delegating was massively important. One of my friends, um, my friend Alan, he told me on my first set, is like, you have to let us do these things for you. Let us be the one, have people talk to us and then we'll talk to you. To sort of streamline conversations. Yeah. Because it is, when you're a director, you're literally in the eye of the storm. So <laughs> learning to delegate is super important.
1: That's, and I know a big part of film is kind of like staying in your line too, like your your stream of communication. So I know it's like, especially when you like get out into the real world, we're a little bit in our bubble where we we have the freedom right now as a student, um, in, like in, the, in the student film world to be kind of, stepping out of line a little bit but i know like once you get into like the ball game it's like people kind of are like well you that's your department stay there (laughs) not even in a mean way it's just so everything gets done um and that's really cool i feel like that's a like how beautiful too to be able to say like i see your gifts and then i trust you to be able to like deliver what i what yeah what i brought you here for um so that's really cool um do you find yourself kind of leaning more towards one way than the other or Like a director versus producer or you kind of, it doesn't really matter. You like them both.
0: I think for now, at least I, cause I came into school and thought I wanted to produce and thought that was the way to make projects. And it is, it is, you do need to be able to produce something in order to make the actual product. So I like that I'm slowly picking up skill sets about producing and I'm taking a producing course next quarter to kind of really help me understand budgets and things like that. But I think at my core, it's, it's the creative, it's the, it's writing something and then being able to direct it because you're able then, I think you, when you direct something that you've written, you have an understanding of the material that's different. I mean, eventually I would love to direct something that I didn't write, mm-hmm. but for now I just love the, that I have the opportunity to do that. And I want to use that as much as I can to tell stories that I either don't see being seen or that i want to tell myself so i love that aspect about it
1: oh my gosh and i kind of this is a perfect segue because i do want to kind of shout you out because you did just win best director at our winter film festival at JP catholic so congratulations um and it was for a script that you wrote that was your own your own writing um what did that process and experience look like um kind of across the board i know we've kind of been leaning up about letting certain things go or not but just from beginning to end, how did that look from first right to seeing it at the film festival? For
0: sure. Um, so I came up with the, the concept of one phone call is it's a it's a guy who is very much reached his breaking point. He's a little bit past his breaking point. and And um, in one night he decides to call up the numbers he remembers by heart to sort of find them and attempt to reestablish a connection and search for someone to answer the phone before he makes a potentially life-altering decision. And the idea for this came, and it's something that came up in conversation when I met with my cinematographer initially to sort of see how she would approach the project. It was, for me, I used to commute to school. And so I would have four-hour drives every week. And so in those four-hour drives, I would call different friends just to have conversations and catch up. And I just was kind of kept with that idea that there's those people you can call and you can just have conversations with. I've also been very um, fascinated with um, the mental health space. And I'm someone who has anxiety a lot and has gotten better with it, but it was something that was really strong growing up. So I'm aware that a lot of people have these struggles that we don't always see. And so I sort of brought those ideas together in this story of... um, And in the first draft, actually, I'd written it from uh, the protagonist was a female protagonist. I wanted to try something a little bit different and have a female protagonist be the part it went through a couple of different drafts and um, it was actually one of the treatments that I'd submitted for consideration for a senior project. That didn't work out, but it still sort of floated around in my mind. And so when it came time and I was taking a directing class, I was like, let's give this one a shot. And I was really blessed to have a really talented actor here at our school, Paul Bonner, to take on the lead role in this because this is a very difficult story. Right. And, um, just the and actually at the film festival, Paul won um, best actor, and um, Melinda Simon, who portrayed the mom in the film, won best actress. Right. And I was so happy to see that because yeah. they are both so talented. Yeah. So to sort of see this film and to work with a cinematographer who was my again, this was my first project, my first big project, and so to have a cinematographer who understood the vision and if you when you see the film, it's very much it's stylized. Um, We shoot in a smaller aspect ratio, so there's less in the frame. We play with different lighting colors. Even in the edit, my editor and I really collaborated on, in this final edit, of draining the color out of the memories because a lot of this is as he's making these phone calls, you're seeing these memories play out. And originally in the script, each memory took place in an actual location. And throughout the course of looking at the producibility and looking at what we could do, we decided to do it on the soundstage. So it sort of just very much strips it down to just what the memory would look like in your head when you're sort of just trying to, what do you actually remember in these moments? What sticks out to you? And a lot of the memories are good, and there's also bad memories, because that's another thing I love about storytelling, and I wanted this story to tell, is that people are complex people aren't black or white as much as we want them to be. People are very nuanced right. and there's a lot of gray area in people. And it's hard to put blame on people or take blame sometimes because of, you never know what your role in someone else's story is. And again, I wanted to sort of show that with this film and I'm just really happy with where we got in the edit as well. It is, it is a longer film. It is about eight minutes. So that it, it does land on the longer end, but I feel the, when we first screened it, um, the reaction in the, classroom and everyone that was there to watch films it was just silence mm. which is what you want as a director because you kind of know then okay this has left a mark and then obviously there's like a pause afterwards and stuff which is great to hear but just that silence and what was cool is this past weekend at the film festival again it was silent it was totally
1: silent mm-hmm.
0: and that to me was like <laughs> we did it and yeah i have an amazing partnership with my collaborator as an editor abby she just she understands editing so well and she we she work does. really well <laughs> together so it's it was great to see also her skill visible that she's able to edit this very complicated story Right, and it, and I do feel kind of bad because I feel like I'm, I keep wanting to give her an easier story to edit but this <laughs> next project I just shot is definitely not an easier one <laughs>
1: yeah and, and big shout out to Abby we had Abby on the podcast she's just I think a couple episodes down there um, like 16 or 17 um. so you'll definitely want to hear her talk I, I can't sing her praises enough but yeah, I know. I, I mean, I was there at the film festival and it was definitely silent afterwards. And to hear like you could hear a pin drop like it was like everyone was like, oh, my gosh, because I think I think you, you took on a challenging story that can be done um, almost arbitrarily sometimes it, in good nature. And people have this desire, but it doesn't always read well. So um, just sometimes those types of stories like we need to be careful with. And I and I felt like and even hearing you talk about it now about um for those of you who didn't get to see the film but you were saying all those locations kind of being in one place like living in his mind almost was was a super powerful way to portray that and i thought really effective too um so yeah was that um kind of like you, you had mentioned a little bit like that you had struggled with anxiety as a child and things like that or and obviously maybe still now things but um is it can, can your art like almost be healing for you in a way to be able to say like oh um I, I love the the phrase not like not art as therapy but art as healing um do you find that like that's something that you relate to or not really
0: no I kind of can relate to that because they're definitely it's a very it's a, this it's about there's three memories per person so there's a lot of content in this film yeah and n- I can't personally a lot of it does come from just to being creative and making things yes, yeah comes up my mind but there mm-hmm. were parts of it that were that I could relate to. And the right. parts that were very, I was like, I've lived this. Yeah. And for me to be able to just sort of have that weekend that we shot this in, it did feel like a process of healing. It feel like we kind of let it go. But then also to hear from people on crew and cast and stuff that it was healing for them as well. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I
0: think we also created, I had, again, I had a great team that really created an environment on set when we did shoot a lot of this, very heavy material, it was super respectful, whether it was respectful for the actor taking his time to prepare, whether it was complete silence, to bare bones on set, just so that we could respect the seriousness of it. And I love that everyone approached it so seriously, and I think that's what truly let those on set those day people that were on set those days, to really reconcile with parts of their own selves. And that's what I would would love for my films. I want them to provide that opportunity for people, because for me, Similarly, when I watch any kind of film, whether it's something as as like a Pixar film like *Onward* or something on the complete opposite end like *Halloween Ends*, (laughs) so just I want to find there's oh I always don't necessarily look for, but I feel like I'm attuned to finding moments in films that really resonate with me and let me come to terms with things. And I feel like when I make things, I want there to be, even if it's in Unconsciously? Uncon- unconsciously unconsciously <laughs> I, want there to, there, I do find there is sort of release in healing when you sort of write things and whether it's a line of dialogue or it's a, a vignette or something there's always something oh sure.
1: yeah absolutely and and like you said even if it's not necessarily for you but for like the healing for someone else i think that is like the most powerful experience through film um that we're able to connect through because it's like someone else captured what what you were thinking then mm-hmm. you know and um put it into a visual which i think is powerful um so I guess kind of speaking of people capturing things and putting them into into a perspective for you, do you have a couple of favorite directors that have inspired you?
0: You know, this is one of the questions that it's like I go to a film school and it's like everyone has <laughs> their directors. Oh like, yeah, like they like can... swear by. <laughs> and it's hard for me because I love such diverse films. Yeah. Like for me it's hard to nail down someone I mean, off the top of my head and it's and it's probably it does it's probably an answer that's given a lot, but I love the things that Noah Baumbach, if I said his last name correct, and Greta Gerwig do. Mm. Where they just take these stories, and for Noah it was, you know, marriage story, and for Greta Gerwig something Ugh. like um, Lady Bird. Two films that are so grounded and so mm. real that just, and it's like, and obviously both films have their ups and downs. You know, they're not, there's no such thing as a perfect film, content-wise. Right. But it's just like, I love character-driven stories. Me and for too. me, these directors just collaborate so well with who they work with. And just create these worlds, whether it's, there's this little details, like in Marriage Story, that when you see the lawyers arguing, they're always up higher in the frame than the actors that are being, and it's just things like that, or just, I just geek out over things like that. But again, I love all directors, I, I guess sounds so, I, I love what all directors <laughs> do, but like, I'm so excited when there's a director that I like that is doing something. And it's, it's cool, It's but I can't necessarily pin down just to one specific. I mean, I love La La Land and what Damien Chazelle did there. Like, I love things like that. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock is another one. Yeah. How he crafts stories. It's like, I'm just, I love film. That sounds so, <laughs> I just love films. Oh,
1: yay. Oh my gosh. No, I'm so happy that you love films. But no, I think that's that's great. And that's A-OK. And I, you bring Lady Bird and, and A Marriage Story are two of my favorite films and especially more recently, and I have found them to be so powerful. And and like you're saying, content wise, it's always like, I can disagree with certain things about them, but they're so real that it's like you, you, cause you it's, I've gone to school with that girl. I've been that girl, you know, it's like, and, and it's so powerful to watch those films. But um, I think that's great that you're able to take little pieces and And have your list of directors and be able to say, oh, this is the film that they did that I really liked their style here and then their style here. And that's really powerful. Um, I did want you to talk a little bit about, um, you just went to a film festival. Was that your first? So I guess we have our JP Catholic Film Festivals, which are like very student-based. Obviously, it's in the context of the university and things like that. But you went to, was that an international one, Sundance? Or or is it national? Yeah, it's international. It's international. Films from
0: all over Submit.
1: Great. So that was in Utah, I know, a month ago now?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it was a month ago. A month
1: ago, can you talk about that experience?
0: Oh, wow, I've. Li- it's so funny because I feel like I can't stop talking about that experience <laughs> in, the, in the best way possible. Like I've yeah. written about it, and I had a an essay that I had to write about it. Well, I didn't have to, but it integrated itself into my essay. Yeah. I Had to do another paper about it. I just, for me, I again, I'm a very much a film nerd in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, I grew up watching. I would watch the Oscars. The all the award shows, I would watch the coverage of the film festivals. So to actually get the chance to go to Sundance was incredible. Like I I, guess I was afraid of the cold because I'm the cold's not for me, but it wasn't <laughs> that bad in all honesty. Granted, <laughs> we have like a million layers, but for me to be in those spaces where you have these directors, and what's cool is that Sundance is they'll have like a bit of a an opening before the films where the director can say a few words about the film. And then after the film, they'll have Q&As with people on the team. So just to be able to get that extra insight into films was incredible. Like, to see, and also just to be watching films from other countries too. We watched films from Ireland, from the UK. We watched films from, well, obviously from America and stuff. But it was just like, to see these wide variety of films and that are all out there because people are making creative choices and they're all so different and they all tackle themes so Differently, I keep saying different, but that's, it's the reality is that no one film felt rep- redundant of the other.
1: Oh, like wow. Everything
0: felt like it was some, someone's take on the world and what they were telling and what, and then just hearing of the directors, like why they did it. Was so fascinating, and also just to see that now these films are going to be coming out soon, like in the regular movie theater, is is so cool. I had the best time.
1: I remember seeing just in the movie theater. This is an animated one, but it said Sundance. I think it's like Maurice or something. It's a little yes. animated film, and I was like, oh my gosh! Like all my friends just went to Sundance. Um, that's so cool. Do you have a particular story that you remember being like particularly moved by, or just intrigued, or having um, a strong distaste for?
0: <laughs> um, I mean, there were there was a there was a couple that were kind of like confusing because one was like about the history of lenses like the camera lens but it kind of veered off on a couple of different tangents that didn't make sense Yeah, which is more of that but I mean I always approach film like whether I know what it is or I don't know like I'm gonna see I'm gonna get something out of it like I've always had that idea whether it's a film that's horrible it's a film that's good like there's always gonna be something in it and I loved there was one in particular that I actually talked about um, a lot it was called The Pod Generation it was about this view of a, it was like a sci-fi type of film in a sense about this future, which might not be that futuristic where people where women are able to have their, their children in these pods. So instead of carrying the child, they it's in a pod. And so it's just this interesting idea that sort of comments on society's view of women in the workplace as well, because We actually got to talk to the director afterwards. My friend Alan and I, we went up to talk to her. And just, you know, this idea that there are places and workplaces where they'll tell you, we'll freeze your eggs for you so you can keep working. But, like, what does that really tell women, though? It's like, you'll lose your job if you don't do this because you can't be a mom and work, too. Or things like it was a scene where the main character had a picture of her family on her desk and they were like, no, you can't have that there. It's a distraction. It's like, why are we, we're supposed to be in this world that is very female empowering, but in reality, it's not about that in the end. It's all about the businesses and the money and that's sort of drives things. And just, it's like, yes, you should have a family, but have it later. But at that point you're like tired. There's all these other things that are going to impact your life. So just the fact that you, It really forced the world to, it was a very pro-life film without, Mm -hmm. all of us were kind of just like, this is massively Mm pro-life. And so um, just a film like that was so good. But then you have films like on the other end that are lighter, like there was a film called Theater Camp about a theater camp director who has an accident, who goes into a coma. So like her alumni rally to like make the theater camp happen. And that just showed, you know, sort of how... People can sort of become a chosen family in a sense. You just find people you sort of tag together by. And so it's just so cool to see films across all spectrums, films that dealt with mothers and sons, films that dealt with daughters and fathers, um, even just like relationships that kind of re-examined what a rom-com could look like too. It was so cool to be exposed to this. And again, just the conversations we would have after the films, being able to do that was, I think, so beneficial.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, I feel like I could comment on a million things, but I, <laughs> the people came to hear you, <laughs> but I, that's like, uh, yeah, that's amazing. And I, I remember a couple other people bringing up the pod, um, what is it called? The pod generation. pod generation? Yeah. Yeah. To me. And I, I'm really intrigued by that, especially, um, I mentioned this in the, in the earlier interview too, that today is national women's day or something. And, um, we were talking about something else and I, it kind of intertwined. So I think that that's very funny that you, that you brought that up as well, but Yeah, I do um, wanna do a quick reset if you're just joining us now, just to remind everyone you are tuning into Letter to Artists. My name is Bailey Garland, I'm your host for the show. Today we are talking with two creative students from JP Catholic about a variety of different topics all in the world of film. Um, earlier, we heard from Mark Weston, who has been quite successful in his skills as a screenwriter and cinematographer um, and directing. And now we have Peter Gonzalez with us in the studio sharing about his experiences kind of in the same fields as screenwriter, director, um, producing. And so, um, yeah, we've just been listening to like his comments about us. The Sundance Film Festival, which he attended just about a month ago in Utah. Um, and now I want to kind of bring the conversation back to the guiding excerpt from JP2's letter to artists for some reflection. So. So, JP2 states, Even beyond its typically religious expressions, true art has a close affinity with the world of faith, so that even in situations where culture and the church are far apart, art remains a kind of bridge to a religious experience. Insofar as it seeks the beautiful fruit of an imagination which rises above the everyday, art is, by its nature, a kind of appeal to the mystery— Even when they explore the darkest depths of the soul or the most unsettling aspects of evil, artists give voice in a way to the universal desire for redemption. Peter, I just want to invite you to um, share any personal reflection that you got just by reading and receiving this.
0: There is this sort of. Running kind of a running joke that I tend to make films that are kind of heavier, <laughs> I deal with you know more the for the, more of the dark things that we go through. I mean, I just shot one that dealt with a character coming home to try to reestablish a have a Christmas dinner, but it it's a discovery that it's a very broken thing that she's trying to reconcile. These people are trying to bring together. She's a product of a of, of divorced parents. She's a product of not having a great relationship with a sibling. And I really want to use those opportunities to sort of find where we can find the light in those places. Because I think, as that as that excerpt said, you know, there is so much room for finding light and finding God in the midst of the sort of the darker topics that we're not talking about. And so whether it was one phone call where we did deep dive into someone who was potentially contemplating suicide, I mean, it doesn't get much darker than that, I think, for most of us and I truly think that, that those types of areas are where you can sort of find, again, the longing. That's what the story was. That was longing for something and longing for those people that God puts in our lives and longing for something more. And I I think that's something that we can all relate to. And I, I think too often we try to portray an image of Christianity that is brighter and it's lighter and accessible and, it, and that's totally fine. But I think we often forget that it also exists. It does exist in those darker places that we do need it sometimes a bit more.
1: Yeah. And I had mentioned this a little earlier and just name dropping St. John of the cross in the the dark night of the soul. And I think, I think I go there first a lot, but I also think of a lot of other saints. I'm my, my beloved blessed Chiara Corbella Petrio. She's an awesome woman. She's a blessed. um, And she suffered from the loss of two babies then having having a successful pregnancy, the baby beautifully born, um, healthy, everything. Okay. And then she develops cancer, you know, and, um, and, and I think the most beautiful part of that story, obviously like her suffering and her joy, the book is called Chiara Corbella, but a witness to joy, if you ever want to read it. But also now that her husband is alive and sharing the story of like living a true marriage and how he like accompanied her, carrying her cross. Um, and, yeah, like you said, like despite the joy, like being able to find the joy with the cross, because right, Jesus didn't smile while he was carrying the cross, but he still embraced it and he and he did it and he allowed others to help him through it. Um, And I think that that's something we often forget as well, Um, that there's hope, even if there isn't um, a smile or shine attached to it, that it's not pretty, but there can be hope. Um, and that's why I think I loved one phone call so much that you did was at the end we don't know who called him but somebody the phone rang it could have been a telemarketer you know but it was a sign a symbol a sign and again it could have been even like we didn't see the moment after that could have been a total letdown of who called him but the phone rang and like that to me like that gives me chills even thinking about it now it's just like those little god winks um and the timing that lines up so um yeah i'm i uh Really, I really love this quote, especially that exploring the darkest steps of the soul or the un- most unsettling aspects of evil, because like, I said this in the other room too, but like the Bible isn't PG-13, you know, there's, we're complex human beings, you we were talking about that earlier, and as much as we wish that we could say, like, we're all good, or we're all, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's, we are good because God created us good, um, but we have a fallen nature, you know, so... Uh, our identity is not as sinners but but we choose to sin a lot. So <laughs> no that's so true too and
0: like and like you said, you know, he, he, he got, Jesus picked up the cross and he had those people around him that helped him through this because there are people around us that are placed there by God and placed what like the phone call the phone call came because it needed to happen. It was part of what was going to happen in the story and I think when I do try to tell stories sometimes the the Christian themes aren't very apparent and blatant, but I always want it to be where someone is able to find it on their own. I want it to be something that, like you said, just the, the seeing the phone call at the end, you just find that, because it's a reminder that it exists in our own lives, and it doesn't have to be apparent all the time. It can be a friend that is there for you in something. It can be a longing for, like I mentioned in this last song that I just made, for family, a longing for trying to find those things. Those are all inherent Christian things, inherent things of God that are in us. And it's navigating through that with the people around us and realizing what God has placed in our lives for good. I mean, I just wrote a paper on Job and Mm. evil, and it was a 10-pager. But thank (laughs) God we got a good grade, so that's all that counts. Oh, he
1: already graded them? He did. Blessings. (laughs) So, But again,
0: it's just a reminder that like God is always there in spite of, in spite of the murkiness of what's going on. And those are the opportunities when we need him most. And instead of turning away from him, we can turn towards him in those times. Mm,
1: I think that's really beautiful, too, because so um, I don't believe in coincidences. Right. I just um, I think I, I don't like the like everything happens for a reason type of thing. I, I don't necessarily agree with that quote either. But I, I think like the, the Bible verse, like all things work for the good of those mm-hmm. you know who love the Lord. Um, but I do love this part of the quote that I, I'm going to relate to it. Um, is that even in situations where culture and the church are far apart, art remains a kind of bridge, the religious experience. So, right. Like not every, I talk about Jesus a lot, but not every word out of our mouth is like necessarily about Christ. Right. And I think, I think we could do a little bit better of a job of speaking about him by his name, but, but a lot of times, um, Through our art, we're able, we can connect it back, right? Like we can present something like a mountain. A mountain doesn't have the name of God, like written on the side of it, like a Hollywood sign. But we can look at that and say, like, like God created that and- and we can bring him into the situation that bridge of like oh this is my the reality this is here right here and i know of a god right who who's good and who's created all these things for me how can i make that connection between like who i am like what i'm doing what i'm watching and and his presence there um because he is he's present in our lives and um yeah we we don't have to like overanalyze that but we we should also bring that you know bring that into our, our daily experience. So I think that's a really cool thing. And I think kind of going on that curve or that wavelength, is there a particular, I guess, air quotes, the people can not ever see me do my air quotes, secular movie <laughs> <laughs> that reveals God to you? Uh,
0: that is a, that is a great question because, and it, this is going to sound so cliche. And so, and I honestly, I want to say 90% of the time can find it in most films. Like I can find it in something as obscure as the first film in the new Halloween trilogy, which really talked about, and for me it's because it gave a physical manifestation of evil as this boogeyman type character that was doing horrible things, but it's a reminder that in the end good has to win
1: Mm. and seeing
0: something like that. And a reminder that evil does exist. Evil does lurk around and come for you and, all these different things, you know? It's it's that's real. not funny.
1: It just made me laugh the way you said it, sorry. <laughs> it's true, it's true. No, but yeah. Spiritual so battles was, all around
0: people. Something like that, or even something in again, this may be a controversial hot take, but marriage story. I think marriage story I love marriage showed, story. Showed me that because it yes. showed that these people could did not work together, but yet they could still they still loved one another and recognized I I could do a whole thing. I I could do a whole
1: podcast on a marriage story. (laughs) story I really could. And again,
0: you're putting the other person first and you're putting their child first. It's just all these things that I absolutely love about films. That just
1: Well, I even think, I don't want to go to, I really could do a whole podcast on a marriage story. But, and I think the thing is like, we're angry about the fact, like I think even the emotional response that I have, like I, I don't find myself angry at the couple who are like working out their, like, um who end up you know divorced and obviously like like in our like catholic society we, we that's wrong you know that's wrong and we don't we um i don't even find myself angry like that they're getting a divorce because i mean yes i i do and i'm like angered by that and i think the anger comes from the lawyers who don't like you don't get to hear the two of them communicating like we we only get to see we i love watching them when they're fighting that fight scene is like so and I love Adam Driver. I'm a huge Adam Driver fan. But I just think it's so powerful because you go there like you have to get in the mess to get out of the mess and I get so angry when the lawyers aren't like talking are talking for them. They speak for them and we see these like the the cinema, like we see these shots of their faces like wa- like trying to communicate to each other in those meetings but like they can't and they oh, I just <sighs> It didn't, And I think that anger response is the right thing is like we're like it didn't have to end that way like it didn't have to we didn't want it to you know and I think almost the defeat shows us like was better than the happy ending because I think I, we, it sees what we long for it's like they like something could have maybe worked out like the hope is still there if that makes sense. Totally and I, yeah. th- I think
0: films and film gives you that opportunity invites you to form these connections and find different pieces that resonate with you. Right. And that's what I love about films. It can be something as, that's what I love to write too, because mm-hmm. you try to write something that on the surface, it may seem like it's just this thing, but to you, you have these things and you want the audience to take away. You mm. want them to connect with something. You want there to be something that shows you a picture of humanity that you will recognize yourself in. And it is, and hopefully learn from it in a way that when you approach reality, you're able to do so with some sort of new perspective on.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. I have one last question because okay. we're running out of time. How has the call to the art of film deepened your relationship with God?
0: I love that question because it truly has. It truly, I think I've this past quarter at school, we've been working on an essay in a response to a letter to artists and To me, that's just really reaffirmed for me that this is a vocation. This is something that was, it was, I was called, God called me to do this. Like, it makes sense. It makes, there's too much to have happened on this journey for it not to make sense. Like, you know, there's too much, you mentioned God winks earlier. There's just too many of those. There's too many paths it's just too much that leaves on this. It's like, I, it's like, I have the thoughts and it's I know. just, your know, finals week. It's like, yeah. but it's like, I can't, unless God has said like, Hey, now we're going to become an oral surgeon or something. Yeah. Then Okay. Then, okay. Then I'll go along because it's always about doing God's will. But I truly feel that the more I make these films and the opportunities, it gets me to not only work with talented people on the teams, but also it betters my relationship with people. It, it gives me, reminders of where God is on set he's very it's very present it's very much I have built I have amazing friends who are collaborators now whether it's my friend Josh who is now doing production design on my films and does it so well and I don't have to you know stretch my brain to try to be like to be like this is what I want to be he just knows or I'm working with um again with my friend Robert as uh, cinematographer on my next project and There is this just knowing it that you are able to use your art to also give people opportunities. Mm. So it's like there's too many I think why it is so much about the team for me and the collaboration is because I see that this is what God wants me to do and it and it's about whether it's in the art that I make or in the f- crew on there, I want to expand the tent, air quotes, so to speak. <laughs> I did my own for you. Um, but just, you know, let more people in, let more, let create these films that resonate with people, that spark conversation, spark dialogue, maybe make people feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, but it's good to be uncomfortable. We okay. should.
1: We were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. That is so,
0: <laughs> I love that so much because it's so true, because I love. That even when we, as a filmmaker, when I see films that maybe do make me uncomfortable, it forces me to sort of remind myself where I'm coming from, what my foundation is, and it reinforces my foundation instead of me being like, "Ah, oh, that was horrible." Like for me, it's like, "Okay, that was that. I know where I'm coming from and how that informs where I am." And truly, it's it's a, s- a symbiotic relationship. Maybe that's the right word, words. But I just feel like I can't not see that my relationship with God and film has not is not connected
1: Mm. oh peter that was so good snaps What what a note to end on i just want to thank you so much for being here especially i know it's finals week everyone's so busy getting ready for break so i really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me you're such a gift to our campus and i've just been i've been so impressed by your films and and truly grateful that i've encountered you so is there a way that people can like check out your work somewhere do you have a youtube or anything like that
0: I do not yet, because I've been told, because again, I'm learning that it's festival circuit, so you don't want gotcha. to put your films out there just yet. Perfect. But um, we will be launching very soon um, information on my senior project, which okay, is coming great. very soon, and I'm excited about that.
1: So maybe um, by the time this is published, I can go back in there and put a link maybe to for that sure. um, down below. So thank you so much, Peter.
0: Thank you for having me here. It was awesome.
1: All right, that's all we have for today. We actually have only one more episode to release for season one of Lettered Artists before we take a break and do some rebranding for the show, which is so exciting, and we'll release season two for you. Um, but in the meantime, if you'd like to listen to the show again or more episodes or just, you know, check recheck out season one while you're waiting for season two, check us out on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You just have to type in Letter to Artists. Letter to Artists is proudly brought to you by John Paul the Great. University, hoping to encourage you to accept this call to holiness through the talents that God has given you. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid.
0: You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark
1: as poet,
0: writer, writer, actor, architect, sculptor,
1: musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent,
0: but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole.
1: May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder.
0: Society needs
1: you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty.